With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this multidimensional world, much of which is invisible to the eye, a group of non-physical entities have come here to expand our knowledge of how the universe works. These non-physical teachers are called Joshua, and they convey their teachings through Gary Temple Bodley. Each week, Gary, with a selection of Law of Attraction experts, open up a roundtable of thought-provoking discussions surrounding the teachings of Joshua. Joshua's intention is to bring clarity to the listeners through the ever-expanding Law of Attraction by looking at reality from a new perspective. Welcome to the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Hello, everyone. This is Episode 20 of the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. Today is February 20th, 2016. This week, I went to the funeral of a friend of mine, and my mother-in-law died. So I thought it might be a good week to talk about death. This is a subject that everyone is interested in because we're all going to die. Joshua gets questions about death every week. It's always the same. What happens when loved ones die and what happens when we die? Joshua has talked a lot about this issue. I'm pretty sure your view of death will be quite different by the end of this episode. On the roundtable today, we have Steve Finitza. Hi, Steve. Hey, Gary. And Michael Kutzen. Hi, Michael. Hey, Gary. Glad you're with us. Uh, Janine is taking a week off, but we'll hopefully see her again next week. So uh, this is a fun subject to talk about, but it really is fun. It's not a bad subject. And by the end of this episode, I think we're all going to view it a lot differently than uh, we may have in the past. Since I've been channeling Joshua, my view about death has completely turned uh, 180 degrees, uh, where before I was, you know, nervous and scared and saddened when people died and now it's i see it more as a celebration it's just a transition from physical to back to non-physical so the physical is like our playground and non-physical is our home so you go to play the playground for a while pretty soon you get bored of the playground you go go back home and then you come again another day and that's basically what death is um let's start off talking about the quote of the week. And Michael, can you read that for us? My pleasure. You are an eternal being who has lived countless lives. This is true. That is true of everyone you know. You are eternal. That means that there is no death as you understand it. Joshua. Right. It's just a transition from one state of being to another state of being. Um, so... Joshua talks about these three fears that are involved in the fear of death. And that is the fear of change, the fear of loss, and the fear of separation. But there is no, none of this. And and when we go into our question, actually, um, that we'll talk more about it as well. Um, I was talking to you guys earlier that um, I've been to four funerals in my life. And the first two were in my 20s. They were my friend's parents. I didn't know either of them. 
Um, and I remember being very sad and, you know, I'm an emotional person and I, you know, probably teared up even though I didn't know the people at all. Then about two years ago, um, a friend's sister's husband died in, um, and he was young, maybe in his fifties or so, um, in an auto accident and, I had been, you know, involved in Abraham and just starting Joshua. And so Lily and I went to that funeral, and even though we didn't know the person, but we knew the, all, almost all the people who were there at the funeral, um, they were all, of course, crying like people do. And th- that was the first time I really noticed that I wasn't crying or sad about it. I was really understanding that it was just a transition to another form of being. And then this week went to the funeral of a um, friend, and he died of cancer at 60, was a really nice, fun guy. Um, and I wasn't sad at all, nor was Lily. But of course, it was, you know, it was a tearjerker kind of funeral, too. One of those ones where people get up and talk. Um, so I think that when you can really understand what death is, that it just changes. You, know, you, you just respond completely different to it. And it's a wonderful thing. I mean, who wants to be sad about something that's inevitable or worry about it in any way? What do you guys think? Uh, <clears throat> I, I, would, I think that it's a, you know, I had a rec- recent uh, funeral. I had to go, well, it's been a few months now, but it feels recent uh, where a close friend died. And I could feel the shift in perception, um, how it affected my feelings so greatly because when I was rooted, what I call rooted in physical reality here and, and feeling the separation and loss of her feeling like she was gone, overwhelming sadness, right, and, and yeah. crying. But in the next minute, I could shift and <clears throat> realize that, okay, it's it's just different. It's not that she's she's gone. It's, it's different. She's actually still here and aware and, and all that. And I could actually get to the place where I would smile and chuckle and laugh, and and I would. It, what was weird was I could flip flop back and forth between those two perspectives so quickly and uh-huh. feel so different. I mean, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, and that was someone pretty close to you. Yes, yeah, we were. It was the. It, it's interesting. I'd never had anyone in my life that was that close to me pass. So you know, right. it kind of shed a whole nother, uh, you know, light on it for me. And who was who was that? <clears throat> Her name was Sherry. She was yeah. Uh, so Sherry wrote questions to Joshua. Yes, and and I we went through the whole cancer thing with with her and that whole roller coaster ride. Yeah, and so do you think that as she was able to talk about it to Joshua and ask questions, that did that help her? Oh, I I can't even tell you um, how much it helped her. It was. That was one of the most satisfying things of, of my life was that I, <clears throat> when she was diagnosed with, with cancer, I got the nerve to kind of come out with this whole weird Joshua Abraham thing and uh-huh. I gave her your book. And she, uh, not only did she um, come to uh, this place of peace, I would call it, but her, her husband was very uh, thankful also. Oh, wow, that's that. great. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And originally they were kind of, um, I would say, not supportive of the book because yeah. it uh, it is different and it, uh, you can read it when you read that you create your own reality. You, you can look at it like I was 
uh, blaming her for her own cancer, right? Right. And and so you, all that brought up some emotions. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's 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 um, a double-edged sword. There, you get to understand about reality, and that some of it's comforting. And the other part is, boy, if you had learned this stuff, maybe things would be different. But I don't know if that's really true because everything sort of unfolds as it unfolds for a reason. Yeah, it's like we we forget that. <clears throat> I think as as we learn the spirituality stuff, we we forget that we deliberately come here. And forget that we know all this stuff, mm-hmm. probably for a reason, because we can get into it a lot more and yeah. uh, feel more intense emotions. Because if you knew you were eternal and none of this really mattered, you know, you might not take it seriously. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, um, Joshua has said that you live so many lives that each life is like a day in this life. You know, so that puts it all in perspective. So when you wake up in the morning... That day is like a whole life, and you can do whatever you want with it. And this whole life is like one day in a big cosmic scheme of things. Yeah, so you wouldn't take it near as serious. You would never take it right. And but maybe you, sh- you know, I think a lot of Joshua's teachings is that you don't need to take it serious either. That there's, I mean, on one hand, Joshua talks about really getting the most out of experience of life, and not uh, take playing it safe and not seeking comfort all the time. And then the other hand is not to take it so seriously as well. So I think there's, there's a, balance. a balance there. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's get on to the question. The question is lighthearted because it's not about a person. It's about a pet. But I think for me, if my Rocky died, I would be, you know, as upset as anyone in the world dying. What kind of a dog is Rocky? Rocky is a long-haired chihuahua. He's right here laying next to me <laughs> in his bed. Hi, Rocky. It's funny when you say Rocky, you know, I think of some, I thought, yeah, I thought it was going to be a German shepherd or a I had or a, two German shepherds <laughs> and they were both named Rocky. So when Ro- this Rocky came along, I said, well, that's a Rocky too. <laughs> no, it's a Rocky three. It's a Rocky also. Yeah. Do, do you wonder if it's uh, the same uh, Rocky just coming back in different forms? No, I don't think it is. I think it's um, a different energy altogether oh. than the other two Rockies. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that is that is very cool. My friend's dog, who we just bonded and like nothing else. Like, I'll go over to their house, and Ginger will come to me over anyone in the family, and just be with me the whole time and never leave my side. And we have this like love affair. It's just the weirdest thing. It's like someone totally that I'm connected with is in that dog. <laughs> well, well, let let me just go on that for a moment. I had a dog years ago. His name was Boo Boo. He was a shepherd beagle mutt. And, you know, he loved me. But when my father, when my, when my parents came to visit or we went to visit my parents uh-huh. and he saw my father, he forgot everybody in the universe, went nuts, yeah, you know, barking away, jumping into his lap. He literally one time when my father was pulling up in the car jumped through my father's window into the car, <laughs> into his lap. And, you, and you've got to imagine the size of this dog jumping yeah. onto my father while he's driving and wouldn't leave him alone, kiss, uh, licking him, kissing yeah. him, like wagging his tail, <laughs> you know, it, you know, where it, it was the funniest thing in creation. He had, a, he had an extreme connection with my father. That's funny, isn't it? And yeah, then, Ginger, 
Yeah, well, then eventually I wound uh, up moving into my current wife, you know, my, my current long time and better be forever wife's, uh, you know, apartment, you know, uh, right before we were about to get married in Manhattan when we tried to hide Boo Boo uh, uh, in the apartment complex. That worked for all of five minutes. Uh, and uh, he had, you know, it was basically we were told it was either him or us. So Boo Boo wound up retiring with my parents out in Zeep Suffolk County where he lived his life in bliss with my father, <laughs> with, a, with a true love of his life. That's great, yeah. Yeah, when I go over there, Ginger will walk me around with my hand in her mouth just ever so delicately and just walk me around and show me things, you know, and <laughs> it's so funny. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and read. Michael, will you, will you read the question for Tasha? Of course. Dear Joshua, I'm not sure if I can get help on this issue, but I'd like to try. My beloved dog passed away yesterday, and I'm missing him terribly. I feel like I get it that there is another place level that, others, that our souls all go to once we leave the physical. I guess I'm wondering a couple of things. First, will our souls meet again once I leave the physical? Do animal and human souls get to reunite at some point? I'm almost afraid to ask that question, as I hope very much that we do. My next question is, did he choose the style of death that took him from us suddenly yesterday? He was seemingly healthy, although slowing down a bit. But did he decide on some level that he had enough and needed to get back to where he came from? I imagine that he and my other dog are together now, running free wherever it is that they have gone. Is this what really happens? Is he free and happy now? And finally, does, can he visit us if he chooses? In other words, are they able to be able, are they able to be nearer to us if they choose to check in? I miss him terribly and I'm grieving and would love to hear any thoughts you can share on the matter. Thank you so much, Tasha. Okay, so that's pretty much the uh, standard question about death. And Steve, would you read Tasha's answer from Joshua? Sure will. Dear Tasha, there are three things that you believe to be true that are not. They are death, loss, and separation. Living beings cannot die, for they are eternal. There is no death, simply the transition from this physical realm that seems so real to the non-physical realm, which is real. There is no loss, for you cannot lose one you have come to know. You are eternally bonded with everyone you know, and that includes all the animals you have ever known. There is no separation, for you are eternally bonded, and whether you can observe your dog with your physical senses or not, your dog is with you at all times. Whenever you think of him, he is there. Okay, so those are the three uh, fears. Uh, fear of death is really the fear of change, uh, fear of loss, and fear of separation. So, the non-physical exists all around us. It's just that our five physical senses are so in our face that we don't have the sixth sense, which is intuition, I guess what you call it, which is the ability to feel um, for other people there who are around you. And because you're so focused on, you know, the reality of the illusion of reality, you're not really thinking about this other side of it, which is the non-physical. But you can, when you, th <clears throat> when you think of your 
dog or you can talk to, you can communicate with your dog now by just asking questions and you know getting thoughts and those thoughts will be the answers and and that's true of everyone of everyone who's ever died you can do that with anyone you want and uh it's pretty much everyone when sherry died i i totally felt her and i could um you know just think of her and what i got really strongly was her just being very exuberant and alive and dancing, jumping and dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I thought of my mother-in-law, uh, she was surrounded by her two dogs and maybe three dogs and friends and family and all that stuff too. And very peaceful. And when she was alive, she smoked and drank every day of her life until she was 80-something. Um, oh God! Had a lot of friends, <laughs> a lot of parties, but she was very, very critical. And now she's very calm, and almost quiet. So it's a, it's a, a lot different. She was putting on a, this act when she was here out of insecurity, and now the real her shows through. And that's what what happens when you die: is you strip away all the fear-based attributes of your personality, and what remains is who you really are. And that's why Joshua says. Um, your your real goal in life is to strip away those fears and become who you really are. Um, and, who, and who we really are at the end of the day is love. We are a pure, mm-hmm. a beings of pure, positive love. Right. Everyone is. So, yeah. And as long I, as you're working you know, towards that. Right. And I believe that we can talk to, you know, that we can talk to the, the, the departed, the dead, so to speak, although they're not really dead. They're, they're just in a different dimension, a different place. It's like it just, we're in a dream, and they're awake. That's sort of how it is. This is this is almost like a dream state, but the real reality is the non-physical. However, this is where all the action is, and everyone's focused here. There's a law of continuity, too, which says that one moment continues into the next moment. When you leave this reality, you'll tr- transition into the non-physical reality, which will appear similar in the beginning and what you're interested in here you're going to be interested in in there too and so you'll still not check in but see in non-physical you can be at multiple places at the same time so you can be with everyone at the same time all the time and your focus can be focused on you know in 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 physical reality you really can only focus at one thing at a time but non-physical is you can focus on multiple things so, so you're always with everyone all the time, and everyone who's is with you too. And I think that includes, you know, people's inner beings and inner selves and stuff as well. So there's a Boy, lot to a, it. It's a positive form of ADD. Yeah, it's a positive form of ADD. Exactly. <laughs> and and I've so always ADD that works. Yeah. What, what exactly. I've, what I've noticed with since, since Sherry passed is that, um, like at night, whenever I wake up for whatever reason. It seems like she's there, right? It's just like, because you're, you're quiet, you're in a state where I think you're more in tune to subtle energies or whatever. Right. And <clears throat> I've, I've just started wondering, I go, like, isn't there something that she would be, like, isn't she getting bored? <laughs> it's right. kind of like, yeah. and, and is it really that? In- <clears throat> so I guess I'm just touching off what you said, how they can be everywhere. 
yeah. you know, and that's just a different way of thinking. So I'm glad she's there. It There's actually... much more to it than we can comprehend. But right, the... they're, they're, right. they're not on they're not on clouds playing harps and just right. or as Joseph Campbell was uh, once quote. Yeah, I remember on his series with Bill Moyers years ago. He said, you know, he, he was asked about what did he think would happen to him. And he, you know, he was actually an agnostic, he said, or an atheist. He said nothing. Yeah. And he said, I can't imagine just floating around in space staring at God all, you know, for eternity. And yeah, that's but, definitely what but, you do not do. Right. You yeah, do exactly. not worship a God. You are God. You're part of it. You know, you don't feel separated from God. Um, but you can't be bored either because boredom is a fear-based lower vibration that you don't have access to, uh, which is interesting. And I guess you only get bored because of the concept of time. So if there was no time, you couldn't get bored. Because without time, like, boredom only counts because you're waiting for the next thing to happen you know, in, right. in the future. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Like I, that's the one thing that I'm thinking, too. Wait, wouldn't, wouldn't you get bored? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, All right, let's go, on. go yeah. ahead. No, I was just about to say, you know, to me, boredom, you know, the, the, the quintessential memory of boredom to me was going to the family when I was a little kid. And when I say family, I mean the extended family, uh-huh. people who I barely knew. And I was a kid and there was nothing to do. And I was, you know, when I remember counting the minutes until I could yeah. do something fun. <laughs> too. And now kids don't get bored because their focus of attention can go to their phone which gives them access to so much interesting stuff going on, you know. So that's probably how it is in non-physical. It's just it's not possible to get bored because there's so much interesting stuff going on. Right. But one thing about non-physical, I don't. You don't get the same experience of reality. Obviously, you can be a voyeur and watch it, but you're not really feeling it like we feel it now. And that's why physical reality is so exciting. Yeah, it's like the verse, living it versus reading a book about it or right, watching or a movie, movie about it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Although there are certain times I'd rather be reading the book. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's what you say now. But. <laughs> roots. I don't want to be living roots. I want to, I'll read the book, but I don't want to be living it. Or the yeah. Titanic. Yeah. I think from your non physical perspective, you would. You'd say, hey, that looks exciting. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Yeah, because after really, a thousand Steve, of these Steve, things... Steve, you, you really have picked this up beautifully. <laughs> I'm just saying, after thousands and thousands of lifetime, you're going to say, I need to mix it up a bit. This has just been too easy. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah so when I was in back pain this week, you know, I brought my, 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 you know, as my physical body was saying, you idiot, you twisted the wrong way at the gym, you know, my non-physical body was saying, yeah, right on. <laughs> well, your non-physical body was saying, it has nothing to do with the gym, <clears throat> It's a manifestation of your thoughts. Right. Yep, exactly. Okay, that's good. We got through one paragraph. Okay. (laughs) 20 minutes. We got plenty of time. We do. Okay. When you make your transition to the non-physical, your dog will be there to greet you. You will be able to communicate with your dog in ways you cannot imagine. However, you need not wait. You can communicate with him now if you'd like. You, You can think of him and ask him how he is, what he's doing, and who he's with. All of these answers will come to you in the form of thoughts. They may feel like your thoughts, but they are his thoughts. And this is how you can communicate. Right, so when when I receive Joshua, it feels like they're Joshua's, they're my thoughts, because it is my thoughts, right? Thoughts are thoughts. 
It's in my head, and the thoughts aren't any different. They're not like a different voice or anything. They're my thoughts. Um, and you might not notice that these thoughts are being given to you by those you're thinking about who have died because it seems like they're your thoughts. And if it wasn't for the feeling of the presence in my body as I was meditating, I would have just assumed these were my thoughts. You know, I would never have started, sat down to write anything or write a book or any of that stuff um, because it was just, they come and go, right? But as I've meditated and then learned to focus this, I can have conversations and I can easily write the thoughts down. But it's just a practice like anything else. And one of the biggest things Joshua is always saying is that those who die, you do not need to be separated and you can communicate with them as much as you want. They won't interfere or intervene in your life um, unless you're willing for them to do so. So uh, I think when people get to really understand this and aren't afraid of it and practice with it, you can get really good at it. But nobody really knows that this is how it works. But this is supposed to be how it works. You're not supposed to be separated. But, but let me ask you this, Gary. Uh-huh. What happened? You know, there are people out there who feel very guilty that they didn't visit somebody at the end of their lives, uh, that they didn't, you know, they didn't treat them right or they were fighting with them or whatever. And some people are, are necessarily going to be guilt and fear ridden. And when they just, you know, when they have the thoughts of this person, they may have very negative thoughts that the person really has it out for them. And and I think we all know that that's not the case. Right. But how do we separate out in those cases? It's again, you know, how do they? How can somebody in that situation separate out their thoughts from what really are the thoughts of you know of the universe or the person who they you know who has in fact passed away? Well, you can when you ask a question and the thought that comes back, that's the that's the other person communicating with you, and you're not going to have that negative thought. Also, it's helpful to think of the person who's gone, who's passed on, as that they've shed all of the stuff that would have gotten you into an argument with them anyway. They're um, all of those ticky tack uh, personality traits that are based in fear are gone. And so what's left is the is the who the person really is. So when someone dies, that's why in that one article that everyone goes to he- heaven, even Hitler. When they say that Hitler goes to heaven, you wouldn't recognize Hitler. It's a completely different person because Hitler was created from fear. Um, and so any any attribute that anyone has that's based in fear just fades away. So that's how you sort of have to think of the person now, is that they have no judgment in the non-physical at all. Um, so, you know, even if you kept a secret from someone who died, they don't care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and they're pure positive beings of love. So they love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to upset them once they're in the non-physical. And I think once people start to think about that aspect of it, then it becomes easier to talk to, to uh, people who have passed on. You know, I, right. just, I would just throw in there real fast. You mentioned Hitler. There's a, there's a YouTube channel called Channeling Eric, and yeah. uh, she, she does an interview with Hitler, which, mm. you know, this sounds, 
it sounds a bit far-fetched but you know after after you you hear it you're like it i, I thought it was real i actually did so when, what's it called again steve it's the the channel's called channeling eric eric with a k right uh, and uh it's a, a channel where a, a mom started it when her son uh committed suicide and then after she connected with him she, he he kind of brings on guests <laughs> wow and, uh, yeah they have a bunch of different ones but the hitler the hitler interview was was quite interesting and in how do you he, remember anything uh that stood out on that interview well what stood out was his uh he he had a special role it was like there's a lot of a lot of the other people they interview on the other side have many, many lifetimes. And it was like Hitler, it wasn't, it, it was like he came in for this one big thing and it, there was a purpose for it. The, right. the purpose was, all, was to was to bring the world, to shift the world, I guess. Right. And we've talked about that. Yeah. I've also, I listened to the one with the San Bernardino terrorists. Uh, and yeah. they said that too was also, um, everything was planned in that before their birth. And it was also designed to bring people closer together as well. Yeah, and and, and wow. Hitler had it was a, uh, his demeanor was very interesting. I, I you'd have to watch it, I think, to have that come across. But uh huh, yep. But it, it it's an advanced topic. Let's just say that in the San Bernardino terrorist one, it's the woman talks almost all, and the man is in the background and doesn't really say anything. Yeah, almost like he was embarrassed or some something along those lines. I or she was just possible. sort of in charge or whatever. But they uh, they were talking about um, now because they're they're in the non physical with the victims, and so do they have any animosity? Do the victims have animosity? And they're saying you just can't hold on to things like that. It just doesn't work. It's like slips away. That you, if you had any animosity, you couldn't hold it long enough for it to mean anything. And and you probably have the higher perspective where you see why in the bigger picture this happened. Absolutely. And, and one right. lifetime was one day. So it, yep. 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 Well, yeah. Right. Well, and also there's the general. <clears throat> excuse me. There's uh, you know, we, there you know, it's something we've talked about before that the victims themselves, they so-called victims themselves, had a particular purpose. They were absolutely. They, they were, you know, <clears throat> they were part of the whole play of it all. Okay. Right. Let's go on to the next paragraph. All beings choose when to make their transition to the non-physical. Okay, so that just talks about what we're talking about. Yeah. If, so, if someone dies in a terrorist attack, everyone plays a role in that. All but, death is a suicide. Right. The method by which one makes their transition is not so important. It is usually the method of least resistance from the non-physical point of view. Those who transition quickly have less resistance. Those who linger need more time to resolve their resistance. Either way... It is always the choice of the individual. My secretary's mother was a raging alcoholic. And she was driving to the liquor store at 9 o'clock at night. And she drove home on this street you know, to her house, which is about 35 miles an hour. And it has a slight bend to it, you know. Um, not a hairpin turn at all. But anyway, she goes off the road and hits like this, the monument that says what the name of the development, um, at 35 miles an hour, and it's killed instantly. It's like, that is an obvious suicide. You know, this is just the easy way to go. She wasn't happy with life. And, you know, it's almost like watching Dale Earnhardt. That's the only um, Daytona 500 I ever watched all the way through. 
And when he hits this wall, it hits it so softly, it's like, geez, it, you think the car could even go on after that? It was just, you know, when people go, they just go. And those who linger, you know, on and on and on are just not ready to go. They're just trying to stay here because they're afraid of death or they're afraid of leaving people behind. Or it gives it gives the people around them a, time, a chance to adapt to their yeah, growing. Yeah, there's a lot of purposes to it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, um, you can have this disease and it'll take years to kill you, but by the time you actually do die, people will be relieved, and you know, and if you care about the people around you, that might be a good way to go. Yeah, we see that all the time in my practice, mm. where there, you know, there are some people who you know who can't let go and they hang on. Uh, and when I say the people, I'm talking about the surviving people, the family right. members. But there are other times where people have been suffering with Alzheimer's for years or, were, you know, when have been in a nursing home and have, you know, are not the people that they knew growing up. And or they've, you know, or they've lingered with cancer for a very long time. And by the time the person finally passes away, it's a relief for the families, sure. at least some of the families. And it's not heartlessness if it's, in fact, a sense, you know what, it's, it's time. Yeah. It's time and there's, it's got to be better than what everyone was going through before. And that's even without an, without an enlightened view of what death is. Um, you look at animals in nature and they just come and go really easily. No big deal. Um, there's no big, long disease in, a, in the wild. But your pets are influenced by you just the way the people are. And so the pets can, you know, get cancer and things like that and um, try and stay around longer for you, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Well, in the wild, as soon as, you're, as soon as an animal is sick, it gets eaten. Or well, as soon as it's ready to go. It doesn't <laughs> right. even have to be sick. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, uh, young animals get eaten all the time because, it's, you know, just like we had said before, young Humans die a lot too because it's, you know, it's a very dense kind of physical reality. is is tough to get used to, and that's why the survival instinct is so important. Otherwise, everyone would just tip their toe in the water and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, all death is suicide, um, but no matter how, what, it's always the choice of the individual. And I've heard other things too. Josh hasn't really talked about it, but where. You know, if you if you're dying and you don't want to die, you can you know change things in the middle, and I guess that's how people come back from death. Um, okay, let's go on to the next one. Uh, this is the last paragraph. Um, there is a universal law called the law of continuity. This law states that when you love in the physical, that what, what you love, what you love in the physical, carries forth into the non-physical. You are tied to the things you love. When one transcends to the non-physical, one still maintains close ties to everything they loved in the physical realm. That means that your dog is with you now and in every moment, watching you live your life and fully supporting you every step of the way. Your dog and all those you've loved who have transitioned, as well as countless others, are supporting you and keenly aware of you. There is no separation. That is why we say you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. Joshua. Yeah, so there are countless non-physical entities with us all the time, supporting us and loving us all the way through. So that's an interesting thing to think of. 
when <clears throat> um, there was a game where Brett Favre's father had died that week, and he decided to play this game, and he played the best game of his whole career that time. It was some amazing Monday Night Football game. I, I remember watching that. Yeah, it was unbelievable, the stuff he did. And, I mean, I think it was like 500 yards or something passing. It was just incredible. Right. Or, and or, you, or more, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and you can see that a lot of times when people die, um, that that time period, people do amazing things because they're they're thinking about the person in the non-physical. They're tuned into the non-physical more than usual. They're allowing energy to flow more than usual. There's something to all this stuff. Yeah. Well, that it- just, yeah, I'm sorry. That just happened uh, on the live production of Grease. The actress who played, uh, who played uh, oh, Lord, uh, Rizzo, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, her father uh-huh. died 20, uh, within you know, less than 24 hours before, they, before she went on stage live in front of you know, millions of people. Wow. And they said she, you know, I didn't see it. I'm not a Grease fan. Yeah, and yes, you can send all the nasty emails to Gary, who'll then forward them to me. <laughs> yeah, my family watched it. I, I, could, I could give a damn about Grease and, and about greasers and about, and about doo-wop music and everything else. Have no taste for it whatsoever. Having said that, I've read and I understand from my family and everybody else that Vanessa Hudgens gave an absolutely knockout performance, the performance, a career-making performance, and it was within 24 hours of her father dying. Yeah, that stuff happens all the time. So, um, in fact, last night, I knew that I was going to win this tournament last night because I knew that Norma was going to be with me. And so I'm just watching these cards unfold and these situations come up. I go, yeah, I knew this was going to win. I knew it was going to win. And I had half the chips in the play by the time we got to the final table and just knocked everyone off. Boom, 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 boom. It was like the easiest thing that ever happened. How, how many people in this tournament? 119. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yep. They're, they're going to get onto your gig here and they're going to they're gonna. One say... of the guys, <laughs> yeah, one of the guys um, you know, Googled me and so he spent time, I don't know if I told you the story before, but he goes, dude, I didn't know you were this smart. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I Googled you, and I spent like an hour on the website just reading everything and looking at you know, the books and stuff. And I said, yeah, well, it's not me. <laughs> he goes, well, don't even talk to me about that stuff. Don't even talk to me. And so last night, at the first break, I have just this mountain of chips. And I'm like, he goes, I go, Mike, look at my chips. And he goes, I know, I know. There's, there's um, puppet masters in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so he knows. Yeah, but I can, I have to pay attention at the table that there's non-physical stuff going on, and I have to use my intuition to tune into it. And when I do, I can know if my hand is going to be good. So, pre-flop, pre-everything. So you get like a a four nine offsuit, and you get a feeling to play it, and you right. stay in. Yeah, I stay in exactly, and it's hard because it's such bad, bad, you know, opening cards. Um, and then sometimes, a lot of times, I'll get pocket aces, and I'll be like, danger, 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 and I just wait to see the danger. It happened last night too. So I had pocket, I had pocket kings, I flapped. 
uh, a king. It was all diamonds. And I'm like, even when I saw the pocket kings before anything, I go, I feel danger. And I'm going to let's see how this plays out. And of course, a guy with the ace of diamonds went all in, and I couldn't help but call him, but I had a lot of chips. And he gets another <laughs> diamond on the turn and has a flush, right? Oh, you so I, knew, a... I, and I, got, I knew, I knew. And I did it all the time. I knew. Well, you had I a knew. chance for a full house, right? Yes, but I knew that that wasn't going to happen. I knew that this wasn't going to work out. So when I can get to that point where I can fold a set of kings on the flop, that'll be something. Hmm. You know, especially so if I fold it face up. So, so it's really a question of tuning, you know, of, of quieting your mind, you know, quieting the logical minds and tuning in. Being aware that this whole other half of reality exists, and that's just the non-physical reality that you're supposed to be able to sense with your intuition that nobody uses that sense, and that sense uh, isn't being practiced enough. And because people aren't aware of it, right? So if you had a sense of something that you never used, if you never used a sense of smell, um, and no one ever talked about smelling things, and you couldn't smell things, or you, you know, um, or maybe you smelled it slightly, but not really, you wouldn't think that you could practice improving that sense, but you can. And it's super subtle, you, you know. It's if you can compare it to any of the other physical senses, which are obvious, the sense of intuition is super subtle. I got a question this week from this woman whose sense of intuition was so, is so unbelievable that her sister, who lived 1,100 miles away, was in a car crash. Well, what happened was she, this, this woman who wrote this letter was at her desk and felt like she was getting hit from the side and lifted her hand up to protect her face right at her desk and felt it so uh, in her body. Then she came, comes to find out like 12 hours later that her sister who lives 1,100 miles an hour at that same moment was in a car crash and died from it. Wow. Yeah. So it was uh, – and, and she's had this in all kinds of situations her whole life, but she's always been afraid of it because when she really notices it, it's always from a tragedy. Or from some danger, and so she she never thought that was a good sense. And so what Joshua said that if you only saw, you know, things that were horrific, you would think that the sight was not a gift, but intuition is a gift, and you just need to um, practice using it all the time, and you will start to see the truth of things and the truth of people and places and things. It was pretty interesting. That is interesting. At some yeah. point, we should do a whole show on intuition. Yeah, definitely. I, I had a the the morning that uh, Sherry died. Uh, she died like uh, eight o'clock or seven something in the morning, and I didn't get the call till noon. But that morning, I had taken my Ducati to work, and I had the strangest feeling the whole time I was going to work that I couldn't describe. It was something rather unique, and to me, it felt like I was being GoProed. Is the way I. Oh. Just phrased it in the morning, but I felt like I was like I went. There were times when I went. I go fast sometimes on my own, right? But mm -hmm. this was like I was being encouraged to go fast. And I, in hindsight, what it felt like to me is that Sherry was just having a great time with me going to work with yeah. me on that bike and experiencing my feelings, right? So and, was she inspiring you to go faster? Well, it it yeah it it was almost 
exactly like that. Like somebody was like going on the back going, go for it, you know, just go for it, you know. And it was, and usually, you know, I don't need much encouragement, so it, it, that was okay. Right. But it was, <laughs> it was definitely from outside of me is what wow. was what was weird. And I remember going to work going, what was that all about? And it, you know, and I did, couldn't explain it until later when I found found out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a, uh, you know, my, my wife's former boss had a very interesting situation with a death in his family. He was heading into work. He, he lived on Long Island. He was heading into Manhattan. And uh, his mother had been ailing for quite some time. When his, you know, he was, it was early in the morning and uh, he had, a, you know, he had a car phone. He gets a call from his wife. His wife says, your mother, you know, turn around. Your mother just died. He turned around. That morning, he was heading into Two World Trade. Yeah, it was nine eleven. Right. Yeah, I uh, I heard so many stories like that for so many weird reasons that people didn't go to work on that day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a very close friend who worked um, who was a stockbroker and said he um, was headed in that direction and and something got canceled and uh, didn't go. Right. Uh, I but there, that. but there was a situation. You know, you have a situation. The mother, hung, you know, I, I believe the mother hung on to make Long sure enough. that the, you know that the son, you know, had, and left at just the right time so that the yeah. son didn't go, wasn't in the towers that morning. Right. It's amazing. It's all kinds of stuff like that. So, so when you when you learn about all this stuff and you and you think about you know all your pets and I mean you can get quite a few people gathering around you uh, interested in your life. And there are times when, in the physical world, we think we want privacy. <laughs> so I take it we just got to get over that because it doesn't sound like there is such a thing. Well, there's no judgment, so they don't, what do you need privacy for? Well, If you were in a world without judgment, you nothing... Yeah, but now I feel more like a, you know, what, I didn't realize that many people were watching. I mean, I know it must be spectacular, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Steve, I think the difference is that in, when you want privacy, you want to be able to do things that you want to do. You don't want people interfering and you don't want to be responsible for in any way for making them happy or being subject to criticism. In some sense, it's fear-based, but in some sense, it's not. And when we're dealing with the non-physical, you know, and, and Gary, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when we're dealing with the non-physical, our you know, while they're there and they're always on our side, they're not there to interfere with us. And because yeah, we still have our free will, so if we truly just want to relax and be with our own thoughts, we can do it. Right. Uh, you can totally do it. Uh, also, the thing to think about in the non-physical, there is no privacy. You're, you can't keep your thoughts to yourself. You're always flowing with the thoughts of everyone else. And uh, everyone knows what everyone else is thinking. So there's nothing to hide. So, right. Well, we're also yeah. not thinking the negative thoughts, so we're not right. thinking, oh, that's so-and-so, you know, who right. cheated me out of blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yep. Because there's just no fear. Um, here's a quote that Joshua wrote. If you can get to the point where you no longer fear death, where you see death as a transition and not an ending, you radically reduce the intensity of fear in your life. Because ultimately, all fears are tied to the fear of death. 
So once you no longer fear death, you really have nothing to fear. Oh, I, and I believe that. You know, at various points, in, you know, earlier on in my career, when I was afraid, to, you know, that I might lose my job. Um, yeah, and I, and ultimately, we've discussed this: my fear of homelessness. Yeah, it's ultimately a death fear. Sure, everything it, like that is a fear of loss or separation or change. Right, and it's and, three right, and, fears. Maybe there's right. A, I think there's a fourth fear, but I think that's, and then death is just the summation of those three fears. Right. Yeah, we're all afraid that at the end of the day, that we're going to be alone, and that thing, you know, alone in the you know in the in the involuntary sense, not you know, not the sense where we're looking for privacy. Right. That we're going to be alone. We're going to be separated. We're not going to be able to take part in in the world as we know it, in the joy that we know of or that we've sought, and that there's nothing else. I, I think I've definitely moved past that. Yeah, me too. It's the, I can see the people who are alone are people who um, are so fed up with feeling bad that they want to leave other people out of it because they believe that other people are responsible for them feeling bad. And they want to just check out. I, I feel like I've totally uh, I'm okay with my own death. I can I can say I can almost say that at some point I, I see it as a great adventure, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, like I would be so excited, right? But I do want to extend as much time as I can here. But I, I still am really attached to especially close family members. There's no right. way I'd I'd am I okay with them. As much as I learn about this, right, it's like I'm greedy and I want to be able to physically just hug, hug them and squeeze them, right. that kind of yep. thing. And that's, right. that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing is that you, you miss that physicalness. Yeah. Right. Um, or, yeah, or as Janine says, hugs, everybody. <laughs> yes. So you should take advantage of that while you're physical and just hug everybody you know. Definitely. Right. So another thing that people ask about is, you know, what happens to them when they die. And... The biggest thing is that there's no judgment. So no matter what happened in your life, it doesn't matter. You get a time to reflect on it if you want, but um, nobody cares. You know, everything was good. There's no bad. There's no wrong. So um, no matter, there's no regrets at all, and there's nothing you need to accomplish in the in this life to get to heaven. It's all heaven. Um, it's all heaven here if you perceive it that way too. So, so many people have issues with that too. So many people do. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yep. But they're not looking at it like they, like if somebody was signed up in a play to murder somebody, nobody would want would want to hold them accountable. Oh my God, you're a terrible person, right? But yeah. that's essentially what's going on. It's uh, it's from that higher perspective, it is a play, and you're right. just playing it out. And the person who you're who's getting murdered. Uh, signed up for that role, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can, right. I, you can just see him prior to this incarnation, all gathered around, going, "Okay, who signed up for this? Who signed up for this?" <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know? Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, a great example of that was recently when they, about two, three years ago, when they discovered uh, a, a gospel according to Judas, 
And, you know, the Catholic uh, Church went crazy about it and said this is a complete forgery and so on and so forth, as did as did many more neutral scholars. But the concept behind it was amazing. And the concept was that the only truly, you know, the most truly advanced of Jesus's disciples was, in fact, Judas. And that Jesus, you know, really needed him to go betray him and told him, you have to do this because it's part of my drama. Right. Mm. Yeah. And without that ending, this, the whole um, teachings would be missed by a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Right. You know. Right, so here you have, you know, so it's contrary to the Catholic Church teachings and other and other Christian teachings, and I don't, and I'm not, you know, folks here who are Catholic, I'm not trying to uh, target you or or belittle your beliefs, but the point of most of the, you know, of the Gospels that are currently that are considered part of the canon, but that are part of the New Testament, you know, the Gospels of Mark, Jesus, Matthew, and I'm sorry, Mark, uh, Luke, Matthew, and uh, John, is the concept that the the apotheosis of of the religion it was in fact the apotheosis where jesus rises from the dead and that's the separation that's the difference between everything that had happened before and afterwards but you couldn't get to that point without the judas character and as part playing his part of the of the drama right okay i need to know what that apotheosis is well the rising from the dead oh okay I just figured if I didn't know it, maybe there's other people out there who didn't know what that was. I didn't. Uh, uh, Sorry, guys. (laughs) We're not the scholars that you are. (laughs) I didn't know it. (laughs) Once in a while, like uh, when I'm doing channeling Joshua, that usually it's the thoughts that come and and they're my own words. But um, a lot of the times the specific words will be inserted and I'll have to look them up to see if what they mean. You pretty mean, interesting. You'll, you'll write down a word you don't you don't know yeah. the meaning of it. Uh, not you know I don't I know a lot of words, so it's rare. Yeah, um, but I just but didn't yeah. know that that I I always figured that the thought came in and then you selected from your uh, store of, of of vocabulary of, of vocabulary. Yeah, so and ninety percent of that is there. Um, it's just these these certain phrases that are meant to be word for word. Oh, that come in about ten percent of the time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is that's really cool. Yeah. Um, hey, and if and, and if nothing less, and if nothing else, by the time you know, by the time you leave this physical uh, world, you'll be ready to take the verbal SAT again. And you know, we talk about uh, leaving. Boy, no boy, boy, that boy, that joke went nowhere quickly. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you can't win them all. <laughs> I. Um, Go ahead. I just wanted to say that we, we, we tend to forget that we're non-physical now. Right. And it's like, you don't have to wait till all That's these right. things that we say about people oh. being dead, you know, it's technically. We're non-physical now. Yeah, so I can exactly. talk to the, the, the non-physical Gary, you know, right now. Right. Non-physical you can talk Michael. to my inner self right now. Yeah. You can, we can have conversations between me and your inner self now, but... But I wonder if I can communicate with you now without a phone, you know? Well, yeah. That, you know, that would make sense. I think I can communicate with, with your inner self. And I, and I think I can get answers, but I don't think that you'll remember or be able to. Oh, you know, right. maybe, maybe you will. Right. Maybe unless, it, right unless, yeah, unless the emotions are so high, like where, so, where a mother senses something bad has happened to a child. Yeah. 
you know, it's got to it's got to be at that very heightened sense of. I think it's got to be at that very heightened sense of emotional. Uh, Unless we practice it, I and mean, maybe if we practice it, it right. I wonder if uh, Eastern um, religions have practiced stuff like this. I wonder if Buddhists or monks have ever practiced this stuff and gotten good at it. Okay, what's our time limit? We got we got about two minutes. Two minutes. Okay, good. Well, um, we're going to be on a cruise in the week after next. So we'll have one show next Saturday. Is that right? And then I'm leaving the Saturday after that? Yep. Cool. That's going to be fun. We may skip a show here. We may do two shows in one day or something. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, that might be fun. We'll have two different subjects. I mean, this is 60 minutes has gone by already, and it seems like nothing. Oh, we always, that, we always. I hope. I hope our listeners have as much fun as we have. I think they do. Yeah, because we're pretty authentic. Um, but anyway, if you there are last minute tickets available to the Lot of Attraction cruise, just go to uh, loaradionetwork.com, and you can find out all about it. So if anyone wants to do that, also anyone who wants to ask a question, I'm now doing a nice one on one with Kate, who lives in Paris, and that's going along really cool. She's asked four really unbelievable questions so far, and I can just see this unfolding. Um, but uh, anyone can ask a question anytime, and sometimes we'll put them on the air, maybe. So uh, go to theteachingsofjoshua.com, and there's so much free stuff there. Also, get both books, because they are really the foundation of all of this stuff, which is life-altering. So you guys... I had a great time. I hope you did too. This was not a bad topic at all. It was turned out to be a lot of fun. It was. People think, you know, um, it should change your idea of death. And so those who die around you, it's not a bad thing after all. Until next week, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and I'm going to go win another poker tournament. You do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, get back to us during the week. Let us know. Inquiring minds, in the words of the National Enquirer, inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> so the World Series of Poker was here last week. Um, I got two free tickets to the first event. I ended up cashing in that. So I won $1,000 and then got the refund of my other ticket because I didn't need it. Then they used that ticket to enter another event. Came in third place, won $6,700. And then got a free ticket to the main event and was the chip leader after day one and got the 40th place, which was about $3,500. So for six or seven days, I made $11,000. Very Um, nice. Pretty cool. Yep. Did better than all of my friends. And knocked out a couple really famous pros, too, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Fun for me, not for them. They were like, what what happened? But... (laughs) So, you guys have a great week, and we will talk again soon. Okay. All right. Bye, everyone. Fantastic. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable with Gary Temple Bodley. We will be back next week with another fun discussion. If you would like to ask Joshua a question or read more of Joshua's teachings, please visit us at theteachingsofjoshua.com. See you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.